Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Today we're talking about the rest of God. The rest. There is a place of rest in God regardless of the circumstances swirling around us. It is a place of peace. It's a place where your heart and your mind can be settled It's a place where you are not striving in your own strength to get it done, to fix it, to make it okay, where you are settled down and at peace. You have an assurance of an end result, and you may not know exactly what that end result looks like, but you know who has got every single issue of the end result taken care of, and you can rest. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. It is a rest that is in God. In chapter 3, we begin to read of Hebrews in verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, If you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the day of rebellion, the day of trial in the wilderness. There's a historical context to that. We'll get to it. Where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation, and I said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest." Speaking to believers here, verse 12, beware, brothers and sisters, beware, lest there be in any of you an evil, notice the word evil, an evil heart of unbelief. Now, if I were to say, what is evil to you, you might have a long list. Here's here's at the top of God's list, unbelief. In Departing, that word in the Greek is beginning to drift, like a boat that is loose from its moorings, beginning to drift from the living God. Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Notice that there is a progression that flows from a heart of unbelief. There is unbelief, then there's disobedience, and then there is the deceitfulness of sin. It fools us. It makes us believe everything is okay when everything is not okay. And then there's hardness. So you have unbelief, you have disobedience, you have the deceitfulness of sin, and then a hardness of heart. Verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ if 
we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. As the Word of God says, today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who having heard rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? With whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Therefore, chapter 4, verse 1, since a promise remains, it's still remaining of entering his rest, his peace, his settled heart and mind, his freedom from striving in your own efforts. Since there remains a promise of entering his rest, let us fear lest we should fall short of it. For indeed, the good news was preached to us as well as to them, those who came out of Egypt. But the word which they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. There is a historical context to this, the rest of God. It's not inactivity. It's not the absence of any challenges. You'd have to be out of the earth for that to happen. But there is a rest that is belonging to the children of God. Now let's look at the historical context of that. Turn to the book of Numbers, the fourth book of your Old Testament. And uh, let's look at the, the plight of Israel under the direction of Moses, having been delivered from Egyptian bondage, having been brought through the Red Sea miraculously, fully, completely, miraculously delivered. And God had told them to go on in to Kadesh Barnea, which was on the very brink of the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God does not forget His promises. And he told Moses to lead the people there. Deuteronomy chapter 1 tells us that that was an 11-day journey. How many of you know you can turn an 11-day journey into a 40-year disaster? That's what happened to God's, God's people because of unbelief. It will bring delay. It will bring heartache and destruction. So we find out that Moses instructed the people there in chapter 13, and he selected leaders from all the children of Israel. Scholars tell us that there's two or three million people there in those days. And uh, let, let's look here in, in verse 11. <clears throat> the men went out to spy. There were 12 of them. They went to spy out the land of Canaan. And they came back with a report. I want you to see that that report started off good. I want you to see verse 27 that says, They said to Moses and the people, We went to the land 
where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And they brought an example of the fruit. They had to carry a cluster of grapes on a pole between two men. It is a fruitful land. It is a very fertile, fertile area. And, and, and notice in verse 31, they begin to change their tune. The men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go in against the people, for they are stronger than we. Let me ask you this. Who are you believing is stronger than you are today? Has it been an enemy that's raised up against you? Is it a lawyer or a bank or your customers? Or is it a friend? Is it an employer? Who is it that you're beginning to believe is stronger than you? And they gave, these leaders gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. Now notice the land had some enemies in it. We find that back in verse 29, there's Amalekites, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, and Canaanites. Here are all the enemies. And that, but they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. God said that was their land. God had promised and they had heard for generations through Abraham that this is your land. It is your land forever. They gave the children a bad report of the land. And they said, the, you know, we, 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 the, the, this land devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in there were men of great stature. We saw giants, the descendants of Anak. If you remember, the Philistine giant was a descendant of Anak. He was about nine feet tall in modern terms. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. How would you like for your spiritual leaders to tell you, there is no possible way for you to have God's best. This is just too hard. There are too many enemies out there. There are too many giants. You cannot, I don't care what God the Father spoke through our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that we have believed for generations. I don't care what Moses has declared is ours. You can't have it. There's too many reasons why it can't be yours. How would you like to sit under that kind of spiritual leadership? Well, let's see what happened. How did that go over? All the children of Israel, chapter 14 and verse 1, all the congregation lift up, lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. This is not on your outline. This is fresh revelation here. What are the manifestations of an unbelieving heart? How can I be part of God's family and still have an unbelieving heart? You can believe that God has saved you. You can believe God has forgiven you. You can believe that, that God is in control. But if you stop believing that God has the highest and best for you, that you are not going to have to be a victim of somebody and something. There can arise a, a spirit of unbelief. So what are the symptoms, the manifestations of unbelief? 
Well, number one, we've just seen it. You begin to, uh, you begin to develop a self-image of inferiority. They said, we can't have this, we can't do this. We're like grasshoppers in their sight, and we are also like grasshoppers in our own sight when we look at all the obstacles to God's best. Have you started developing a victim mentality? Have you started believing that there's no way for you to have God's highest and best, there's no way for you to live in that land of promise? Have you begun to believe that the world is just going to win? Have you chosen to believe somehow deep in you? Your circumstances have gotten so dark. Are you beginning to believe that what God has promised you is over? It'll never come to pass. Has there begun to develop in any of us an unbelieving heart? I told the Lord this week, please reveal to me any area in my inner man that where there's unbelief beginning to develop in drifting away from what you said. So the first thing they begin to do in unbelief is they begin to develop a victim mentality. They begin to see themselves differently than what God said they were. God said they were overcomers. He said, you're well able. I've promised you. It's all, I just rest in the end result. I'm going to lead you into this land. It may look bad, there may be in threatening circumstances, but trust me. What's well, another manifestation of an unbelieving heart besides beginning to develop an inferior image in ourself? We begin to distrust the Lord and His intentions for us. Let's go back here now. And uh, let's look at verse 2. The children of Israel in verse 2, 14 says, They complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the wilderness of Egypt, if only we had died in this, in this wilderness, why has the Lord, verse 3, why has the Lord brought us to this land? To fall by the sword. There's no way out. We're going to die. Why did God make this happen? And why do our wives and children become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? In other words, go back to the bondage of our old life. 400 years in Egypt. Many of, a lot of that in great bondage to the Egyptian pharaohs. So notice another manifestation of an unbelieving heart besides my own self-image begins to believe that I'm inferior to my opponents is I begin to distrust the Lord and His intentions towards me. Here's another manifestation of a hardened heart. I begin to develop a disdain for godly leadership. Notice what the children of Israel said. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces, verse 5, and they began to, to weep in repentance. Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes in joining their leadership, the right leadership. They told the children of Israel not to do that. But notice, notice what the children of Israel who had developed unbelief 
decided they wanted to do. Look at verse 4. They said to one another, let us select a leader and go back to Egypt. Do you know what? If you're beginning to develop an unbelieving heart, you'll find you a leader who will agree with you. Who won't care about telling you the truth. They'll just tell you what you, they think you want to hear. Oh yeah. This is not just to this congregation. This is being heard in countries around the world now through the miracle of internet and Pastor Wayne being able to get it on there. You better be careful the spiritual leadership you're under. It does matter. It does affect you. Yes, it does. And that is an indictment on people like me. We had better walk in the fear of God. You understand that? We've got several covered ministers in this church. I'm going to tell you something. You and I are going to be held to a higher degree of accountability. The Bible says those who teach the Word will have a stricter judgment. Now, I may not like that particular verse, but that's the truth. And it is a sobering truth. A heart of unbelief begins to disagree and try to change spiritual leadership. And to have, to just go back to the old ways. Notice they were going to go back to the old ways where, you know, it was just bondage. And uh, that's the full manifestation of an unbelieving heart, the desire to just go back to old ways of thinking and speaking and behaving the way life used to be. Can it get that bad? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. An unbelieving heart will just continually get worse. Continually get worse. Let's go back to our Hebrews passage. Now you know the historical background out of which this passage in the New Testament was written. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, first of all, you need to understand that the rest of God, His spirit of rest is in your inner man. It is freedom from the bondage of external bondage. It, it, you know, if I'm in the, in the rest of God, then what other people say and feel about me is not what becomes the Lord of my life. And, uh, you know, all of us have a desire to be liked. All of us have a desire, an innate desire to be loved. But we have to be careful that we don't, that we don't become slaves of the opinions and thoughts of other people. If I am walking in the rest of God, my life does not rise and fall based on somebody else's mood in the morning. It is not contingent on what other people decide or don't decide. You do understand, don't you, that the hardest place to walk out your relationship with Jesus is right there in the midst of your family. They know you better. That was the hardest place for Jesus to walk out his obedience to the Father. 
His own mother and brothers and sisters came and tried to get him to give up his ministry at one time. So you're not alone. Understand that there's value in the covenant core relationships you have because it helps expose areas that you need to do some dealership with the Lord about. It brings stuff to the surface that is not pleasant, but we need to go to the Lord about, humble ourselves. External bondage can come from those close to us or people like customers or lenders or lawyers or enemies. How many of you know that the devil himself can't shake you out of a place of rest if you will stay committed to intimacy with Jesus and the Word of God? Sometimes that place of rest can be shaken on the inside. Understand that there's three main manifestations of unbelief in our inner man. The first that arises is fear. Fear is so hard to discern sometimes because so many times we think things, we say things, we do things that are rooted in fear rather than faith in the Word of God. Fear. I've asked the Lord to show me those things that I say and do and think that are rooted in fear and for the Spirit of God and the Word of God to break its power. Fear will cause you to try to control anything and everything about your life and those closest to you. Do you know that? Fear will try to get you, and, and, and it looks like you are doing wonderful even godly things, but a lot of times fear of a bad result will, try, will get us to try to control and manipulate somebody else and we're not even aware of it. You don't own anybody. Everybody say that with me. I don't own anybody. I have to trust the Lord with everybody. That's a difficult journey, isn't it? Fear is a deep-rooted enemy that is an enemy of rest. Shame. Isn't it amazing how so many times when you'll just be walking with the Lord and things are going great, there will be planted in your memory an Something that happened years ago that where you failed. And you just, you even start feeling guilt about something that you confessed to the Lord and received forgiveness for multiple years ago. Shame is quite an enemy. And once we begin to accept shame, the devil, the Bible says he's an accuser of the brethren. He will make that voice really, really loud in our inner man. He will say, see there, if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't have gotten this. And how dare you think that you are forgiven by the Lord? How dare you think? And see, shame 
if the enemy can attach shame to us, he can get us out of a place of rest. Fear and shame are vicious enemies of internal rest. And of course, that which all of us have a degree of that we wish we didn't is pride. And see, if you think you're getting everything right, you've already got pride, right? I say this almost every Sunday. There is nobody that's got everything right. None. We are all on a journey. Every one of us. And we are all dependent on grace. God's grace. Every one of us totally dependent on the grace of God. There are no perfect believers. How many of you know that God's plan for you is to conform you into the image and likeness of Jesus. And that is a process. That is, everybody say, I'm a work in progress. Pride. How does pride reveal itself? Well, it's pretty obvious that pride reveals itself through, you know, just independence and uh, one of the biggest issues that I see in my life in ministry at this stage is I see some traits that I had in myself. And I see that inside every one of us there is an innate sense of rebellion. That's not pretty, is it? Aren't you glad you came and heard pastor say inside every one of us there's an innate sense of rebellion? Doesn't it make you feel better? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Every one of us have to submit our wills to the one who loves us and redeemed us and is working to transform us into his image and likeness. It doesn't happen automatically. It's an ongoing journey. And pride is that sense of self-sufficiency. And I, I, I see in, uh, in training uh, other young ministers, I'm trying to help them see too, that the refusal to submit to leadership, the refusal to desire and walk in accountability is a symptom of pride. If I'm not walking in pride, I'm not afraid of exposing my life and my decisions to those who the Lord would place in my life that are appointed for my well-being. I'm 71 years old and I still have accountability and covering today. It's not to catch me doing something wrong and beat me up. It's to keep me walking in the fear of God and success. So if I don't want any exposure of my life, if I don't want any accountability, if I don't want any covering over me, I've got some pride in there that's going to keep me from walking in God's best. If I'm afraid to admit I've made a mistake, 
I have pride. If I'm afraid to ask others who are close to me, what do you think we should do? If I'm afraid to enter into partnerships, if I have to be a dictator, I have pride. Amen. Shame, pride, and fear are real competitors to internal rest. So here's a question. Are you resting in the Lord? I don't mean just verbally, but do you have a deep sense of rest? That there is a peace that transcends your circumstances. And boy, circumstances can get rough. Having God's rest doesn't mean you will, that you will be free from pain. It does not mean that. It doesn't mean that you won't have challenging circumstances. It doesn't mean you won't have enemies. It just means that in your inner man, down deep in your heart of hearts, you will know that you know that you know who you have believed and you are persuaded that he is able to accomplish all that he has called you for. He will do it. You know the end result. You don't know what it's going to look like, but you know in whose hands it is, and you know, I know whom I have believed. The enemy of rest is unbelief. So what about what you're believing about your children? Has it gotten so very nasty and so bad You've striven to do anything and everything you could possibly do. Have you come to a place of rest to where you recognize that that child belongs to God, not you? Do you also understand, listen to me now, somebody needs to hear this loud and clear. Do you also understand that the choices of your adult children are not your fault? They are not your choices. Your children are independent agents created and redeemed by the Lord. You didn't make them make the choices they made. They did it of their own volition. Well, I just feel like I coulda, woulda, shoulda. Coulda, woulda, shoulda is the vocabulary of the evil one. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is a place of rest for you today where you can rest the results. Listen, the Holy Spirit can do far beyond anything you dreamed He can do as it relates to your children. He loves them more than you do anyway. And only He is the convictor of sin, not you. He Pray, believe, and rest the results in the hands of the Lord. Love, encourage, speak the truth in love. Rest. Can I tell you something? Anything God has truly given you, Anything God has truly given you cannot be stolen by the enemy unless you just release it. 
if it belonged to God and you hadn't defaulted on your partnership with God, then it's in his hands. How is that going to look? You don't know, but it belongs to God. It's his. There have, th- there have been times and things that I've prayed and begged God not to let happen that for some reason in his own, in his own knowledge he allowed to happen. But what I've found is that anything that I have temporarily lost has still been in his hands, maybe even more securely now than they were then. Now you think about my journey a little bit and that'll be a profound sentence to you. If you will trust your father, you can trust him to have a grip on what you even have to release. And that is a place of rest. Let's all do a little reflection here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's ask the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, to reveal to us what is really true. What really is the truth in us. Pray this with me. Holy Spirit, examine my thoughts, my words, my actions, and even my motives. And in your love, tell me the truth. Pray this with me, Holy Spirit. Show me where in my inner man I am not at rest and reveal to me why. I will repent. I'll release every issue into your hands. I will be diligent to obey you in whatever process you deem necessary. But I believe and I hereby confess that my life, my family, my business, my health, my income, All that I am and all that I have belongs to you. It is yours, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hereby declare that everything that I have petitioned you for in faith, and in obedience is in your hands and you will do that which only you can do. I believe you. I trust you. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, please grant rest to your children. Please grant rest. Deep, 
undisturbed rest to your people today. In Jesus' name, how sweet it is for us to worship together, to hear the Word of God, to pray, to stand with others. We don't meet on the last Sunday of the month. I want you to know you're prayed for every day. We love you. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.